0: You're listening to The Wrong Station Pledge Drive. The Wrong Station is only possible with supportive listeners like you. Become a subscriber today by visiting patreon.com slash thewrongstation. You'll receive access to bonus episodes, behind-the-scenes discussions, our new book club, and so much more. Today, The Wrong Station is proud to present Angular Diameter Distance by Alexander Saxton. The smartest person I ever met in my life was Mr. N, my high school math teacher. And maybe that feels a little hard to swallow, since most high school math teachers seem to be some sort of divorced schlub. But Mr. N had two degrees in optics and was a former chess grandmaster. I think he spoke at least five languages. And in his spare time, he liked to play dissonant postmodern classical on the violin, piano, and cor anglais. Not all at the same time, of course. He, He was a smart guy, but he was just a guy and maybe these bare facts give you a picture in your head of some tall and austere person a disciplinarian and product of strict discipline himself but that's not him at all that's the furthest thing from mr n mr n was about five foot four round and bald on top with a snowy greyish thatch around the edges he had small dark sparkling eyes and was always humming to himself he rolled through life like a low wave up the beach Completely egoless about his brilliance and achievements. Truly didn't even think about them. He just liked what he liked and spent his time doing what he liked. And for him, that was chess and advanced physics and music written in a 1317 time signature. I'll admit right now that I can't remember his real name, because it was something tartar that had been Russified to something Russian. And in fact, I only just now realized, 20-odd years later, that when he told everyone to just call him Mr. N., It was actually a kind of desperately unfunny math joke. But I'm sure he thought it was hilarious. I'm sure it made him chuckle at least five times a day. Now I, unlike Mr. N, have always been terrible at math. When I was in kindergarten, they tried to teach us basic arithmetic using these number boards, which were sort of boards with holes for pegs that were green on one side and red on the other. I slowly stole and threw away every one of the class's pegs, just popped them in the garbage. After that, they sent us home with sheets of paper with number boards printed on them. Well, my mom tried to get me to do the homework once. I ripped the sheets up with my teeth and scuttled away under the stairs like an animal. After that, she decided she wouldn't try to force me to do math again. Final example, after my last year with Mr. N, which was grade 11, i had accrued a grand total of 48% in the class. A failing grade. Mr. N called me in told me he would bump the grade up to a 50, but made me pledge a solemn oath never again to return to the math department. Friend, let me tell you, I would live to honor that pledge. But in the two years I'd taken Mr. N's class, I always got the impression that I was one of his favorite students, maybe partly because I was so bad at math. I was a bright kid, I was interesting and interested, But I was just completely cut off from this realm of learning where he'd spent his entire life. It was like I was an alien to him. The closest analogy I can think of is this. Later in life, I worked as a janitor alongside this guy from Brazil, who didn't speak a word of English. Mostly just did our work and nodded politely to each other. And then one time, we were stacking chairs, and he found a little stuffed rabbit toy somebody's kid had left behind. He coughed to get my attention. Then, from his back pocket, he pulled out this chamois, and with complete seriousness, did the worst job I've ever seen of trying to make the rabbit disappear. It took me several seconds of blank staring to realize I was witnessing a a bit an incredibly stupid bit, exactly like the kind I've done with my own friends. And then the next thing I knew, the, the two of us were leaned against the stacked chairs, holding onto our sides, barely able to breathe for laughing. We were never able to speak the same language, but after that day we were always able to communicate through a secret language of pratfalls and sight gags, and it was sort of the same thing with Mr. N. We both felt the unique delight that comes from understanding someone completely different from you. "'You are uh, always wrong,' he used to tell me after calling on me in class. "'But you're always wrong in an interesting way, yes?' "'And you know what? I took that as a compliment.' now since mr n was a good teacher he tried his best to make sure his failing students didn't actually fail and so he always made himself available for an hour at the end of the day for any students who were struggling and since at that point i had the absurd idea that i might go into the sciences at some point i even took him up on the offer usually there were just two or three kids often just me And when it was just me, i derailed the tutoring sessions by getting him to tell me stories about chess games he'd played, or by regaling him about the theory and praxis of improv comedy. He always listened. No matter how pointless another adult would have found what I was talking about, Mr. N always, always listened. He was the smartest person I ever met. Well, close to the end of grade 11, I was last kid in study hour, again, And fed up with basic trig, I derailed him with a question that took him so by surprise that I think nobody had ever asked him before. Maybe because it was sort of a rude question, but maybe because it risked a boring answer. But I was already bored, so I asked him anyway. And he paid me the respect of not brushing the question off, but answering it in full. And I think I might have been the only person to ever get that answer from him. I asked... Mr. N., how'd you end up teaching high school? You're too smart to be here. He blinked for a moment, looked at me. Well, uh, he began, the education of young minds is... I cut him off with a loud raspberry. He smiled and hung his head. Is not exactly what I meant to do with my life. I was an astronomical researcher. So what happened? Well, he began you know i'm a defector yes from the soviet union precisely that dates us both doesn't it and before i defected i was working with the russian academy of sciences at their astrophysical observatory in the north caucasus well the telescope there was the largest in the world at the time and they say it's never operated up to its full potential but that is uh... he waved his hand prevarication The truth is, when I was there it worked perfectly and took images of the depths of space which the Western world would not see until years later. At this moment he shut his eyes, and I saw him tremble a bit with the memory of Caucasian winds. I loved it there. For me that was paradise. Each day we saw deeper into the world, the cosmos, the great order of everything. I was a committed communist at the time and communism, if you don't know, is deeply concerned with the elegance and truth of the world around us. It is materialist, not in the sense of Madonna, but in the sense that it believes matter is all that is real. In essence, a scientific creed, though the Central Committee was less committed to truth than we were. But I was a true believer then, and I cannot tell you how meaningful it was to perform science in service of a creed that... The way I understood it, valued science most highly of all. He trailed off for a moment, his eyes shut, still seeing bright stars emerge from blue firmaments above the turted mountaintops. So what happened? Mr. N let out a long, slow breath, and his mouth quirked with a little smile of chagrin. He shook his gray-thatched dome. Well, that took a deep breath and braved the painful memories. "'Tell me, are you familiar with the angular diameter distance turnover point?' I shook my head. I've never been shy about admitting what I don't know. Well, after all, that's most things. Well, uh, to keep things simple, you know how the further away something is, the smaller it appears to be?' Uh, "'Sure.' "'Well, that is only true up to a point.' I frowned. What do you mean? I mean that uh, when you're looking at, uh, say, galaxies, they also look smaller the further away they get. Okay. But only up to a point. After that, they get larger again. What? No, what? Why? I I don't like that. It is uh, a very disturbing phenomenon, he admitted. It happens because when an object is far enough away, the light that reaches us was emitted at a time when the universe was much smaller, which means that the object took up a larger amount of space in the night sky. If you looked deep enough into space, something quite small might take up half the night sky. Like when you get a tattoo and then put on a ton of weight. (laughs) Ha, well, precisely. He gave me a moment to think this over to try and digest this huge idea, or this idea that only seemed huge because of its great distance. All right, I said at length. So what does this have to do with why you're teaching math at a shitty public school? Well... uh... He hesitated, looked out the window at the darkening sky outside. I think maybe I should not tell you that uh, I should not have brought it up. I said nothing. Just waited. He was a good teacher. One thing I knew about good teachers, they believed in the truth. Uh, uh, but you have asked me directly, and I think it is wrong, even disrespectful to dodge a question asked in a sensible and serious frame of mind. Even here he smiled at me, when the asker does not apply that mind to trigonometry. Ah, That was all I said. I wanted to let him speak. He took a deep breath and then told me. When I looked into that telescope, he said, I looked deeper into space than anyone before me had. Deeper than anyone would for many years after. And I saw something out there. Something past the turning point. Something far enough past it that it did take up half the whole night sky. "'You will never guess what it was.' "'His eyes were hollow. "'He looked suddenly very aged, very grey and fragile. "'A galaxy?' I offered. "'Black hole.' "'He said, and his fingertips trembled as he gestured. "'But he said, "'I am telling you, what I saw you, you will never believe.' What I saw was a baby. He was utterly in earnest. Silence for a long, long moment, orange lights fading slowly into life across the parking lot outside, their diffused light not reflecting from the darkness of his wide and pleading eyes. I could tell from those eyes that he was not joking, and I could tell by the fact that he was the sanest man I had ever met that he was not crazy. A baby, I repeated, and then, a baby what? This time he didn't answer me, only hastened to explain himself. "Eh, Maybe you think me insane, he said. The Academy of Sciences certainly did, but science is by its nature repeatable. And when it was repeated, the offending colleague and I were both sacked, both quietly told to keep ash, both shuffled off to live a quiet life, someplace else. He flinched at the memory, that small gesture hinting at all he had lost. The stars, the mountaintops, of course, and more. His colleagues, community, life's work, his particular faith, and perhaps other things unhinted at. Lost love or unrequited limerence. But telescopes have gotten way better since then, I said. If this was true, then everyone would know by now, correct? Is it? He hunched thin shoulders. "'I was unwise enough to speak up and look at me. "'And I know what you might think about the West, "'but art and science is nowhere near as free "'beneath the rule of dollar drafts as it was beneath the rule of public ale.' "'He shook his head. "'No, they have seen, "'and they have kept it secret, just as I have. "'A vast conspiracy of cowardice and self-interest. "'The easiest conspiracy to keep, you know, "'is the one kept secret from yourself.' I must assume that most have simply denied the evidence of their eyes. Who could blame them? It is sensible. Then he raised his voice. But it means there are no true believers in science. Then he sighed and shrank again, and his sigh was tinged with a sob. But then uh, neither am I anymore. Uh, How could I be when what I saw proves the altered cosmos I so believed in? to be... a lie. He looked out the window. Then, realizing it was dark, eyes flicked to the clock. It's almost five, he said, with an attempt at a bracing smile. Best time we both went home. And... that was where he left our conversation, rushing me out of the room and down the hall, hastily leaving me at the south doors outside and struggling with his head down across the parking lot toward his old and beat-up little Nissan, leaving me behind to stand and stare up at the velvet blackness overhead, the studs of poignant light, and out behind them, in the darkness, visible if you'd just had eyes to see, something great and strange and incomprehensible likely fully grown by now.